0: Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Shulls, And today we have the end of the story of Prince Ahmed and the Fairy Parabanu. The Sultan of the Indies, Ahmed's father, has sent him on a third and final quest. And we'll see if the fairy, Prince Ahmed, and this special requested guest can deliver on the request of the Sultan. In today's episode part 11 of the story of prince ahmed and the fairy parabanu prince ahmed who did not believe that there was such a man in the world as his father described would gladly have excused himself but the sultan persisted in his demand and told him the fairy could do more incredible things the next day the prince returned to his dear parabanu to whom he told his father's new demand which he said, looked upon to be a thing more impossible than the two first. For, added he, I cannot imagine there can be such a man in the world. Without that, he has a mind to try whether or no I am so silly as to go about it, or he has a design on my ruin. In short, how can he suppose that I should lay hold on a man so well-armed, though he is but little? What arms can I make use of to reduce him to my will? If there are any means, I beg you, will you tell them?' and let me come off with honour this time. Do not affright yourself, Prince, replied the fairy. You ran a risk in fetching the water of the Fountain of Lions for your father, but there is no danger in finding out this man, who is my brother, Shaibar. But it is so far from being like me, though we both had the same father, that he is of so violent a nature that nothing can prevent his giving cruel marks of his resentment for a slight offence. Yet, on the other hand, is so good as to oblige any one in whatever they desire. He is made exactly as the sultan your father has described him, and has no other arms than a bar of iron of five hundred pounds weight, without which he never stirs, and which makes him respected. I'll send for him, and you shall judge of the truth of what I tell you, but be sure to prepare yourself against being frightened at his extraordinary figure when you see him. What, my queen? replied Prince Ahmed. Do you say Shibar is your brother? Let him be never so ugly or deformed, I shall be so far from being frightened at the sight of him, that, as our brother, I shall honour and love him. The fairy ordered a gold chafing dish to be set with a fire in it under the porch of her palace with a box of the same metal, which was a present to her, out of which, taking a perfume and throwing it into the fire, there rose a thick cloud of smoke. Some moments later, the fairy said to Prince Ahmed, See, There comes my brother. The prince immediately perceived Shaibar coming gravely with his heavy bar on his shoulder, his long beard which he held up before him, and a pair of thick mustachios which he tucked behind his ears and almost covered his face. His eyes were very small and deep set in his head, which was far from being the smallest size, and on his head he wore a grenadier's cap. Besides all this, he was very much humpbacked. If Prince Ahmed had not known that Shaibar was Parabanu's brother, he would not have been able to have looked at him without fear, but knowing first who he was, he stood by the fairy without the least concern. Shaibar, as he came forwards, looked at the prince earnestly enough to have chilled his blood in his veins and asked Parabanu when he first accosted her who that man was, to which she replied, "He is my husband, brother. his name is Ahmed, he is the son to the Sultan of the Indies." The reason why I did not invite you to my wedding was I was unwilling to divert you from an expedition you were engaged in and from which I heard with pleasure you returned victorious, and so took the liberty now to call for you. At these words, Shaibar, looking on Prince Ahmed favorably, said, Is there anything, sister, wherein I can serve him? It is enough for me that he is your husband to engage me to do for him whatever he desires. The Sultan his father, replied Parabhanu, has a curiosity to see you, and I desire he may be your guide to the sultan's court. If he needs but lead me the way, I'll follow him. Brother, replied Paribanu. it is too late to go to-day, therefore stay till to-morrow morning, and in the meantime I'll inform you of all that has passed between the sultan of the Indies and Prince Ahmed since our marriage. The next morning, after Shaibar had been informed on the affair, he and Prince Ahmed set out for the sultan's court. When they arrived at the gates of the capital, the people no sooner saw Shaibar, but they ran and hid themselves, and some shut up their shops and locked themselves up in their houses, while others, flying, communicated their fear to all they met, who stayed not to look behind them, but ran too, insomuch that Shaibar and Prince Ahmed, as they went along, found the streets all desolate till they came to the palace, where the porters, instead of keeping the gates, ran away too, so that the prince and Shaibar, "'advanced without any obstacle to the council hall, "'where the sultan was seated on his throne and giving audience. "'Here, likewise, the ushers at the approach of Shaibar "'abandoned their posts and gave them free admittance. "'Shaibar went boldly and fiercely up to the throne "'without waiting to be presented by Prince Ahmed "'and accosted the sultan of the Indies in these words. "'Thou hast asked for me,' said he. "'See, here I am. "'What wouldst thou have with me?' The sultan, instead of answering him, clapped his hands before his eyes to avoid the sight of so terrible an object at which uncivil and rude reception Shahbar was so much provoked after he had given him the trouble to come so far that he instantly lifted up his iron bar and killed him before Prince Ahmed could intercede in his behalf. All that he could do was to prevent his killing the grand vizier who sat not far from him, representing to him that he had always given the sultan his father good advice these are they then said shaibar who give him bad and as he pronounced these words he killed all the other viziers and flattering favorites of the sultan who were prince ahmed's enemies every time he struck he killed some one or another and none escaped but they who were not so frightened as to stand staring and gaping and who saved themselves by flight When this terrible execution was over, Shaibar came out of the council hall into the midst of the courtyard with the iron bar upon his shoulder, and, looking hard at the Grand Vizier who owed his life to Prince Ahmed, he said, I know there is a certain magician who is a greater enemy of my brother-in-law's than all these base favorites I have chastised. Let the magician be brought to me presently. The Grand Vizier immediately sent for her, and as soon... As she was brought, Shaibar said, at the time, he fetched a stroke at her with his iron bar, Take the reward of thy pernicious counsel, and learn to feign sickness again. After this, he said, This is not yet enough. I will use the whole town after the same manner, if they do not immediately acknowledge Prince Ahmed, my brother-in-law, for their sultan and the sultan of the Indies. Then all that were there present made their air echo again with the repeated acclamations of Long life to Sultan Ahmed. And immediately after he was proclaimed through the whole town, Shaibar made him be clothed in the royal vestments, installed him on the crown, and after he had caused all to swear homage and fidelity to him, he went and fetched his sister, Paribanu, whom he brought with all the pomp and grandeur imaginable and made her to be owned Sultaness of the Indies. As for Prince Ali and Princess Noraniha, As they had no hand in the conspiracy against Prince Ahmed and knew nothing of any, Prince Ahmed assigned them a considerable province with its capital, where they spent the rest of their lives. Afterwards, he sent an officer to Prince Hussein to acquaint him with the change and made him an offer of which province he liked best. But that Prince Hussein thought himself so happy in his solitude that he bade the officer return the sultan his brother thanks for the kindness he designed him, assuring him of his submission, and that the only favour he desired of him was to give him leave to live retired in the place he had made choice of for his retreat. And there we have the end of the story of Prince Ahmed and the Fairy Parabanu. So many twists, so many turns, so many expectations dashed as we went through this story, and yet it ended kind of where we saw it leading to, didn't it? This is Dan Scholes for The Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you'd like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at folktaleproject. If you'd like to help support the project, you can head over to patreon.com slash folktaleproject. Or you could always just share the stories with someone you love. I do appreciate that. As always, thank you so much for listening.